Well, I just want to add my love to Stephen and Casey. Just love you guys so much. And just think of first time I met Casey and we're talking about gospel and just that heart for the gospel. Um, and first time I met Stephen is he was pursuing Casey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just great memories. You guys love you and excited. They will be on a plane um, before this day is out. So love it. We're going to preach through, obviously, Psalm 102 this morning. And uh, I, I, my desire is, I hope, my prayer is that this will help us prepare our hearts for 2024. Um, if we were to, if we were to think about and consider 2023, this being the last day of the year, if we were to put a banner over 2023, what would your banner say? Mine would say, God has been faithful. Um, many of you know I turned 55 this year, which means, what does that mean? It means that when you go to breakfast with Richard and Rick, you can order off the seniors menu, you know? And so, and so I don't know how I feel about that, but I did. I did it. Did it for the first time. I just hurt my back saying it, but... But, yeah, congratulations. Thanks a lot. Is that you, Josiah? Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. If I was to put a banner over my life, my 55 years, it would read, God has been faithful. This church, as you know, turned 27 this past August. And if I could put a banner over the life of the church, it would read, God has been faithful faithful. I'm not saying that the banner would read, life has been easy, God has been faithful. I think that's how sometimes we equate God's faithfulness. When life is good and going as we planned, then we might say God is faithful, but that's a false reading of Scripture. Scripture and life show us that God is faithful not only when things are going well and going according to plan, but when life is hard and difficult, God has been faithful. Faithful in the suffering and faithful in the disappointments and faithful in the pain and sorrows and, yes, the rejoicing. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, God has been faithful. And I like Psalm 102 because it doesn't hide, it doesn't pretend that things are just fine. If I summarize Psalm 102 in a conversation with Psalm 102, it sounds something like this. How you doing, Psalm 102? The reply comes back to us, well, things are really, really bad, but God is faithful. That's a summary of Psalm 102. You see, Psalm 102 is written in the face of uncertainty and struggles. Have you lived long enough yet to know that the one thing that is certain in this life is nothing is certain minus one? God is certain. So as we close out the year and birth a new one, Psalms 102 helps us to think and prepare our hearts 
it is thought that this psalm is a psalm of captivity. Babylonian captivity. And so, while I didn't want to start us this morning into our series of Daniel, that begins next week. In some ways, this kind of kicks off our series in Daniel without going to Daniel. Because it's a good lead into Daniel, which is about the four young Hebrew men who were captured and taken into Babylonian captivity. This is a psalm of captivity. Imagine it. God's people have been captured. The city's been destroyed. The once great temple now is a pile of rocks and dust. The psalm shows us how bad things are, and yet God is faithful in, a, in all of it, in the mess of life. So let's pause and pray, and we'll dive in here. Father God, we ask for your help this morning. Help us, not just today, not just this being the last day of the year, but Lord, help us prepare our hearts for 2024. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Point one, when things could not be worse. When things could not be worse. The psalmist's circumstances are not unique and neither are yours and neither are mine. We will suffer in this life. Peter tells us, don't be surprised by that suffering. We suffer because we live in a fallen world. And so we shouldn't be surprised, but so often, what? We, we're surprised. But even in the suffering and even in the surprise, you and I, if you are a follower of Christ, you are not beyond the help of God's grace. And so the psalmist rightly cries out, Look again, these first couple verses. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Do you, do you hear the urgency of the psalmist here? Do you hear the urgency of his cry, his prayer? He's saying, God, hear me. Let my cry come to you. Don't hide your face from me. Incline your ear. Answer me speedily. It's here that I want to call us once again as a church to prayer. To prayer in 2024. In the face of difficulty, church, I want to call you to pray. Spurgeon says anything is a blessing which makes us pray. Prayer will never be too big of a priority for us at Trinity. Have you, have you found that yet of your own life? Like, were you, have you come to a place where you're like, you know what? I think I'm just making too big of a priority of prayer. I need to tone that one down a little bit. There will never be a day where we're preaching here and we're saying, you know what? We need to settle ourselves down and lower the priority of prayer. We want the announcements that you just heard 10 minutes ago, right? We want that, we want that to be not just an announcement, but an exhortation to our soul. God, help us to be a church that is calling out to the Lord like what we see here in Psalm 102. Psalm 102 is when all is lost and things could not get any worse, 
what we see the psalmist doing is this heartfelt crying out to the Lord. Crying out, Lord, hear me. Desperate prayer. What are we to do in 2024 when things are discouragingly dark? Or in the face of despairing days, we call out to the Lord in prayer. Let there be more times, not less times of prayer. Let those, let those times be individual. Let those times be corporate. Let those times be formal. Let those times be informal. Let those times be led from the microphone. Let those times be there in the rows and the pews and the seats. Trinity, let's build this church on verses 1 and 2. Uh, there's two opportunities to do so in the very near future. Guess what? Next Sunday at 9.15, we're going to gather for prayer in the gathering room. And we'll do that 52 times next year. We invite you to come. Let's come together and let's seek the Lord together and let's pray. And then also, on February 10th and 11th, it'll be our 24 hours of prayer. If you're new to Trinity, we do this yearly. It's an opportunity. We sign up for ye- uh year slots we sign up for one hour slots throughout the day and for 24 hours we come together and we pray together uh if you're concerned uh we we have security through the night um and we come together and we pray we invite you to both of those we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come but now in the days of captivity that the psalmist is writing about what's going on in israel is god had become a token god to the people He was largely ignored, and yet, as you know, we've preached through different um, books and and places throughout God's Word, the captivity. Religion hadn't stopped. They were a very religious people, but God was distant from their hearts. God's Word fell on deaf ears, and people, there were people uh, at large, most of the people had drifted from the Lord, but there were others who continued in their faith in the Lord. They were in the minority. All the while, the other nations around them mocked their God while they destroyed them and conquered them and dragged them um, into captivity. And so the cry went out, where is God in all this destruction? Where is God in the crumbling of the city walls of Jerusalem and the crumbling of the great temple. They assumed, the people did, they assumed on the faithfulness of God. They took his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness for granted and they assumed on the Lord that they could live the way that they wanted to live, have a token of religion, and the Lord would probably be satisfied And he'll take care of us in all of that. And they were right, and they were wrong. They were right. God will be faithful to them. They were wrong to think that that meant God would not discipline them and bring them back to a place of repentance. And so I wonder at the end of 2023, what is the projection of the church? And I mean that broadly, the church universal in 2024 where are we headed in the next 20 years because we live in a day where words have been invented to describe the mass exodus to distance oneself from the lord words like de-churched 
deconstruct faith. We live in a day where we have unfaithful churches and unfaithful denominations. We could write our own little Psalm 102 about the people of God today. We could write about churches that are across our land today who who seek to preach, to simply entertain, to fill seats. We could write about churches who seek for a seat. We need a good CEO leader. We're going to copy secular culture as opposed to we need a pastor. We could write about churches across the land that marketing has become our hope as opposed to getting on our faces before God in prayer. We could write about our own hearts of compromise because after all, we have Jesus. All is good. He is faithful. Indifference, worldliness, moral failures get brushed to the side in our day. Idolatry, rebellion, increasingly secular churches void of God's power. Let us cry with the psalmist, verses 1 and 2. Not unlike Jerusalem in the temple, the church is a pile of rocks and dust. Don't believe me? Go to Europe. See the crowds that gather in those old houses of worship. They're not there, however, to worship. They're in line for the next tour. Outside of a great move of God, which we pray for, we are right on their heels. And so the psalmist is burdened like that, burdened for the people. And I'm asking us this morning, do we feel anything of that? That's the setup to the psalm. It's gut-wrenching. It's heart-despairing. It's a cry to the Lord. And for us to understand the psalm rightly, you've got to feel something of the disparity. So before we get into the mess, I haven't even gotten into it yet, the the actual details of the mess that's driving this heart of prayer, I don't want it to be lost on us that that the psalm begins in prayer. And we'd do well to copy the pattern because we can get lost in verses 3 through 11, which we'll read here again in a second. We can get lost in the mess. We can get buried in the disparity and lose sight of verses 1 and 2. So hear verses 1 and 2. Let that ring in our ears as we continue. Verse 3. For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. It sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes. Just my life is a vapor. It's here and gone. Verse 4, my heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. He is so heartsick. He is withering away. He's forgetting to eat. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. What is that? He's emaciated and groaning. I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the, the waste places. I lay awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. The desert owl was known to be a scavenger in the desert. And he lies awake. He can't sleep. He's like a lonely sparrow, meaning he's living in isolation. Verse 8, all the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. He's being taunted and cursed by his enemies. 
Verse 9, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. This is how low he has sunk in his despair. Verse 10, because of your indignation and anger for you have taken me up and thrown me down. This is the discipline of the Lord. The Lord has picked him up and dropped him. Have you ever felt anything like that? I have. Fortunately, we have the Psalms to help us discern what's going on here and we have many scriptures to guide us to help us to give us understanding when we don't understand it's not like we have nowhere to turn we have somewhere we can go he says my days are like an evening shadow i wither away like grass meaning life is late it's an evening shadow I'm withering away, I'm fading away. And these verses are real, and they can help. They can, they can tend to just bury us under the weight of them. And perhaps you're here this morning, and you'd be saying to the psalmist, though we're very quiet thus far this morning, appropriately so, you'd be saying with the psalmist, I'm there. I'm there right now. Some of you are here this morning, and you are despairing And feeling hopeless like that. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're feeling despairing and hopeless as you look at the world. Or as you look at the church in America today. Do you in some way identify with verses 1 through 11? Even if you're in a place where all is well in your life, I hope you still feel something of verses 1 through 11. As you look at the state of the church across the globe today. I think there ought to be something, in, um, something of this in all of us who belong to the Lord. The world is bad. Living in this world is that dark. People rightly point to Christ's victory. We should point to Christ's victory. But do you realize that before there is victory, things will get worse? In some ways, my desire in point one here is to completely bury us in how bad things are to now bring us to point two, which begins in verse 12. Point two, when things could not be worse, our God is enthroned forever. That's the appropriate moment to amen. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Do you feel the weight of it all? And now we come here to verse 12. And before I comment on verse 12, that's literally the book of Daniel, okay? When things could not be worse, our God is enthroned forever. That's Daniel. That's where we're going to kick off next week. He comes here to verse 12 after all those 11 verses. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Some think that those stones and dust is a reference to the the city walls, those faithful individuals who literally, there was literally people who could go and pick up pieces of the walls and the temples and hold them in their hands. And despair. What has happened here? 
There were some who had not turned away in the day of destruction. And they knew that a rebuilding would need to be done. And I'm asking us this morning, are any of us awake to any of this today? When the glory of the doctrines of grace have turned to dust. When theology stones are held in our hands. Let us be a people who hold those stones and those dust in our hands. And say this must be rebuilt in our day. Verse 15, nations will fear the name of the Lord and the kings of the earth will fear your glory. That's, right? That's what I want to see. <laughs> That's what I'm praying for. He says, for the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. 17, he regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. I mean, there are some nuggets here in Psalm 102 if you don't have a highlighter with you, get one later, right? Like there's just some things that need to be highlighted in the text and not forgotten. We at times are in the prayer meeting and in different times and just reminded there is no such thing as vain prayer. It's verse 17. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Our lives are withering. He is eternal. That's what happens there. That's why we cry out in verses 1 and 2, right? See, verse 12 is this hinge in the chapter of, of 102. All of verses 1 through 11, maybe we could say, is pregnant. 12 is the baby. The baby has come. In the frailty of life, as life is slipping away, our psalmist is emaciated. As my life and your life withers like the grass, verse 12, you are enthroned forever. What do we need to know in the uncertainty of our days? You need to know God. You need to know God. You need to know the foreverness of God. We need to know that our God is unchangeable. We need to know the faithfulness of God. You need to know his history in your life. You, you if you're a follower of Christ, you have a history of God's faithfulness in your life. You need to know the history of, of his activity of it, it, towards his people throughout the ages He's the faithful God. He is forever. Verse 12 is this radical shift. Nothing could be worse than the first 11 verses. And nothing could be better than verse 12. It lifts us out of the pit. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. Out of the miry blog and set my feet upon a rock. Making my steps secure, he put a song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, 
to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. What a mess, verses 1 through 11. The depths of despair. No hope whatsoever, verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Are you living, verses 1 through 11, today? If so, do you have a verse 12? Well, Christmas time last year, I purchased a copy of Paul Tripp's book, Uh, suffering for the elders and wives, and that's kind of a weird Christmas gift. But I want to ask you, do yourself a favor and buy yourself a Christmas gift. Buy that book. Buy that book. And then give yourself a second Christmas gift and tell yourself you don't have to read it overnight. Just take your time. Go ahead. You Amazon it right now. Get it to your house by tomorrow afternoon. It, it, it's kind of a weird Christmas book, but, but here's the point. Why I want you to have this gift is you're going to suffer in 2024. There's going to be unexpected things that come our way in 2024. And the time to prepare for that is not, okay, now I'm going to pull that book out. When we're in the middle of the suffering, you prepare for that suffering before it comes. Oh, such a good book. Did you notice how the psalm, it actually, it will move from this me to we. He's going to go from, here's, I, he's talking about I'm emaciated and I'm the, the desert owl and I, I, I. It, he uses, he uses um, he speaks of for my days, my bones, my heart type things. Well, he will move to we, he will move to Zion. He goes from his circumstances to God's eternal plan for the corporate chosen people of God. And this helps me to see that I am a part of a we, okay? You are not just a you, you're you're a part of a us. His help to me is help to we, okay? And so it's not just Jesus in me, it is Jesus and we. And we are connected through his death on the cross. We are the body of Christ. And your struggles and his relief that he brings are corporate. That's why we corporately worship while struggling. In 2024, if you're going through times of struggle, can I just encourage you, make it a we. Come together for the corporate worship of God. It's so important. Well, Trinity, we need verse 12 in the corporate life of the church. Your walk with Christ and all the struggles that go with it is a community project. Perhaps there's nothing that we need more in 2024 than verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. There will be unexpected and devastating events in 2024. And we need verse 12. There will be unplanned deaths. There will be new wars. And there will be lives taken young. 
There will be surprise diagnoses and diseases and horrific accidents and starvation around the globe and Christians severely beaten, imprisoned, and killed. We need verse 12 in 2024. There will be a political season next year. Have you heard? It will come with all sorts of nonsense and division. We need verse 12. There will be a candidate who wins and one who loses. Either of them might take us further away from, quote unquote, the American dream. It might take us a step away from the Constitution. It might actually bring persecution to the church more severely in 2024. We might lose some of our freedoms. We might even have laws that get set up to be against us. Maybe we have COVID too. Wouldn't that be exciting? COVID 24. What do we need? We need verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Do verses 1 and 2. Cry out to God during 2024 because, verse 12. Because you have verse 12, do verses 1 and 2. In other words, if he's not enthroned forever then don't bother with verses 1 and 2. But if he is enthroned forever, if that's the conviction of our hearts, then let us do verses 1 and 2. Do verses 1 and 2 because God is unchanging. Because we know that since Genesis 3, God has promised one will come and destroy the enemy. And because since Genesis 12, God has promised to have a people. And since Matthew 16, Christ said without stuttering, I will build my church. And because Philippians 1 shows us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Praise God, we have within Psalm 102, verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. And so in the day of the de-church and the deconstruct faith movement, if you will, God will raise up a young people and an old alike to live for God with their every living breath. And God will call some of you to follow the Klebs into the mission field. And God will call some of you to pastor. And God will call some of you to work faithfully in the government and in the schools. And God will call some of you to, to faithful mothering and fathering and working in the home and all the rest, all the rest. Let it be done for the glory of God. A lot has changed in our country in the past 10 years. And a lot more will change in the next 10 years. Verse 12. In some ways, our day is not all that different from their day. And in their day, God raised up four Hebrew children. This is how God gets his mission done. He's committed to it. 
He's going to put them into captivity. He's going to take four godly young men and he's going to put them under an ungodly ruler, an ungodly government, and he's going to say, watch, because our God is enthroned forever. Oh no, the sky is falling. The world is caving in around us. Know that the Lord is enthroned forever and that he is unchanging and that he is faithful and that he is at work and he is relentless in his love towards you and he is perfect in his faithfulness towards you. C.H. Spurgeon said, wrote, when God's own time has come, neither Rome nor the devil nor persecutors nor atheists can prevent the kingdom of Christ from extending its bounds. It is God's work to do it. He must arise. He's pulling that from the text, the word arise. He will do it, but he has his own appointed season. And meanwhile, we must, with holy anxiety and believing expectation, wait upon him. So verse 13 you will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. Zion is the earthly Jerusalem. You will have pity on the city of God and the temple of God. And the prophets will return and his word will advance. And his word, what? It will become flesh. Christ will come and the nations will come to know him and he will gather a people to worship him. You're here this morning. You want to, you want to put a verse to why you're here worshiping the Lord? Verse 12. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Because our Lord is enthroned forever. Because that is what he does. Because he's the sovereign one. Because he's the faithful, merciful God. It's who he is. They didn't deserve it. And neither do we. But God will arise and he will have pity because God is faithful. It was 70 years of captivity and persecution. It's hard to imagine. 70 years. How many years did it take for the people to begin to wake up to what was going on? Was it at year 10? Was it at year 30? Was it at year 50? 70 years of captivity. Verse 16. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. You know that, that word builds is in the original language. It's in the past tense. You know what that means? It's already done. It's already done. The Lord builds. <laughs> When the Lord builds, it's done. Verse 17. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Praise God for that. The destitute were the captives in prison. The destitute were in a foreign land. They were a persecuted people. And it's saying there, he regards them. They're not despised. Point three. When things could not, get, could not be worse, God raises up a generation Verse 18, let this be recorded for a generation to come. So it's being, be recorded, they're not yet, all right? Record it for that generation that's not yet, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Well, we're a part of that generation. Thank you for recording it, Lord. What will Trinity be in 20 years? God, raise up a generation who hunger for you. That he, verse 19, that he looked down from his holy height from the heaven 
The Lord looked at the earth, 20, to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who are doomed to die. That's, that's the gospel in our lives. We were the doomed to die. We were the prisoner. Praise be to God. That's already been done for us. Verse 21, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise. That is the, that, what is the response to prisoners set free who were once doomed to die? Oh, verse 21 answers that question. It's that we might declare in Zion the name of the Lord in Jerusalem his praise. It's that we might gather and worship to him. When peoples gather together, verse 22, and kingdoms to worship the Lord. Can I just say, thank you for gathering all this past year. Thank you for gathering together. Thank you for lifting up your hands and your voices and singing to God. In worship to Him. And I thank you in advance for 2024. That we are going to gather week after week to worship Him. Fourthly, when things could not be worse, how do we respond in 2024? Verse 23, he has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. So again, the, the psalmist is weak and frail, nearing the end. Verse 24, oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations. Days are short, verse 23. But verse 24, keep me around, Lord, to see it. I want to see it. That's how I read verse 24. Is there anything of that in you? Like I, I, sometimes I pray, Lord, I want to see it in my day. I want to see it. Lord, do this work today in our day. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, in my day, I want to see in the truest sense of the word, revival. People just hungering for God's word, returning. Oh, I don't care about de-churched and deconstructed faith. Oh, Lord is more than able to handle the building of his church. Oh, Lord, would you do it in my day? I want to see it. Verse 25, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. 26, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You'll change them like a robe and they will pass away. He's saying, I grow tired. You endure. <laughs> I wear out. Good grief. If you're more than 40 years old, you know this to be true, right? I got injured sleeping, right? That's, that's the sense of it. I'm worn out like a garment. But he says, creation praises you because you endure. It's, it's calling back to verse 12. You're enthroned forever. That's the God that you and I serve in the midst. Remember where we started? God is faithful. That's not, a, that's not a commentary of when everything is going well. That's a commentary when things could not be worse. I'm wasting away. 
Praise you, God, you live forever. Verse 27, but you're the same and your ears have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Worship team, please join me. That's literally quoted by the author of Hebrews. Did you know that? I think it's 110. Someone can check me on that, but I think it's 110. And it's quoted in reference to Christ. You know how we regularly say, you know, the Old Testament, you know what it's about? It's about Christ. Well, Hebrews is telling us so. As he quotes those, uh, as he quotes there from Psalm 102, he's saying that is, it's about Christ. These verses point to the fact that the psalmist's days are ending, but the sovereign Lord remains forever. The moment we're going to sing, come rejoice now, O my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. Christ is mine forevermore. It's it's, I don't think intentionally, but it's a, it's, a, it's a callback to verse 12. Fear's gone, hope is sure, but wait, don't you, don't you know that you're in captivity? Yeah, I sure do. I know God. I know God in my captivity, and He is enthroned forever. Don't you realize you're dying? You're emaciated. You're the desert owl. You're in search for food. Oh, yes, I do know that, and I also know, but you, O oh Lord, are enthroned forever. And so all will pass away. All will pass away. But verse 26, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. They will pass away. This world will pass away. This world is not forever. Perhaps you're here this morning. Can I just encourage you? Stop pretending like it is. You might not know the Lord. You need to be reminded this world is not forever. This world will pass away, but you, God, will endure. Church, are you prepared for 2024? Can I ask you in advance? What is the banner? that you will hang over this coming year. Not your past, not this past year. What's the banner you're gonna fly over this coming year? Perhaps sometimes we weirdly wanna hang the banner of, you know, I am the sufferer or I am the emaciated, right? I am the this and we, 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 we identity, we, our identity becomes our suffering. Can I encourage you, hang the banner of God's faithfulness over this coming year. Say, well, I don't even know what's coming. Oh, we don't know. And that's part of the point. And he will be faithful. In the good days, in the difficult days, in the ease of life, in the absolute suffering of life, whatever comes our way in 2024, hang the banner. Our God is faithful. The banner of sadness and sorrow or fear and uncertainty can be put to the side. Hang the banner. 
my God is faithful. Let's stand and let's worship our God.